These last hundred years have brought us closer to the final countdown to this present age. Discover the major Bible prophecies fulfilled since the 1918 pandemic and the pandemic in 2020. All right, so today I want to address a topic that not many people are, you know, not everybody is excited about. Some people are very excited about it and some people may not be. Uh, I want to talk about the, the sermon for today is year 2020, understanding the times and really looking at current events and Bible prophecy. Now, on a topic like this, I know that, you know, there are some people who say, oh, no, I'm not so interested in this, this kind of a topic or a theme. Uh, well, I just want you to bear with us then if this is not of much interest to you. Uh, next Sunday, we'll give you a nice inspirational message. Uh, but today, we're going to talk about current events and Bible prophecy, understanding the times. I just want to quickly uh, make two announcements before we get into the message. First of all, I just want to share a testimony uh, that came in from a 13-year-old uh, young girl. Uh, and she writes this. She says... Uh, I attend All People's Church, and I'm 13 years old. Uh, and she says, I want to share my testimony of healing uh, that I experienced in the month of June. So uh, uh, this email came in July, mid, around mid-July. So she says, you know, she, um, she was getting fever, and her family thought she, you know, they had to get a COVID test done. Uh, but they, uh, uh, they, they just said, you know, they're going to pray, they're going to believe, and uh, uh, the fever persisted for about five days, and this is the notable thing that happened. This, this little girl, 13 years old, she says one on the fifth night, she stood in front of the mirror, and she just declared healing over herself. Now, this is a 13-year-old doing this. She stood in front of the mirror, and she declared healing over herself, and she, uh, after a minute, minute or so, she put her hand on her forehead, and she said, she writes here, she could feel her temperature decreasing, and her body was rid of the heat, uh, and it just went away. And she says, I thank God and praise God. And of course, you know, her family prayed for her and others prayed for her. But just wonderful to receive a testimony like that from a, you know, a 13-year-old. And uh, just wonderful to know, uh, to hear about their faith. And I want to encourage each of us to, you know, be strong in our faith in God, believe God, and, uh, you know, see God do wonderful things. Now, uh, just another quick update. Uh, you know, our Bible college... Uh, tomorrow, uh, August 3rd, will be our first day of the fall semester, uh, and something beautiful has happened this year uh, because we've moved all our classes online and all our, uh, our classes. We've started a virtual class, our online class. Uh, we've got uh, a large number of students uh, from several different countries, uh, and I, I don't have the exact numbers with me, uh, but we are, uh, uh, you know, several students, over 100 students uh, from uh, 30 different countries who have registered, enrolled for, uh, as, as an incoming batch uh, to study with us uh, at our, our APC Bible College. So that's just exciting. I'm so uh, you know, excited about it. And, you know, imagine every starting tomorrow, Monday, uh, every day of the week, five days of the week, uh, our team here, we're going to be ministering to, you know, 
people in 30 different countries. Countries. We have three hours of lectures every day, and you know, every day reaching out into 30 different, 30 plus nations of the world, ministering, teaching them the word of God, praying with them, ministering to them, so that they can be strengthened, they can be equipped to fulfill the call of God on their life. What an opportunity, what a privilege, and it's just so exciting. Uh, tomorrow is going to be our first day of uh, our classes as we start uh, with the orientation. But I also want to take a moment to thank you, the church family, for your support and your partnership. You know, uh, uh, you may not necessarily be there doing the classes, teaching these students. Uh, you may not be doing that, but you know, you are part of what is happening. You being part of all people's church, you are part of APC Bible College and uh, its reach outreach into the nations. You're part of it just by being part of this body because we are a body. We are a local church. We were doing this together. So I want to say a big thank you. Thank you uh, for being there with, with us and helping us do this. I also want to invite you to pray, pray for the, the pastoral team, pray for the faculty who will be teaching these uh, students across 30 different nations, 30 plus nations, and pray for the students. You won't know the students by name, we may never meet them in person, but just pray that as God is ministering to them, they will be strengthened to make a difference uh, in their nation and wherever else God may use them. All right, so let's get into our message today as we talk about uh, year 2020 understanding the times. You know, why would this, a message like this be of importance? And why should you and I as believers even be interested, you know, in looking at what is happening around us and try to relate it to what the scriptures say? Why should we even do something like this? I just want to bring our attention to what Jesus said, you know, in, uh, in Matthew 16, uh, you know, verses 1 to 4, as he's talking to the people around him, you know, in, in fact, he's rebuking the, the religious leaders, the people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's rebuking them. He says, you know, uh, you know how to look at the sky. And this is Matthew 16, verse 3. I'm just paraphrasing it. He says, you know, you know how to look at the sky. You know the foul weather. You know, the, you know how the clouds turn and you know what the weather is going to be. And he calls them, he says, hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky. That means you know how to tell the weather but you cannot discern the signs of the times. That means you're not able to look at what is happening around you and understand what God is doing in the midst of it. So he rebukes them. You know, in fact, in other words, we put it in a positive way. What Jesus is telling us is just like you and I are able to look at the weather conditions around and say, oh, today it's going to rain or today it's going to be a very hot day. It's going to be a very humid day. We, we understand the outcome of that the signs that we see. In a similar way as believers, it's incumbent upon us to uh, look at what is happening globally around the world and thereby discern what God is doing in our world today, to understand the signs of the times. And that's why a message like this is important for us as believers. You know, Honestly, I, I didn't have much interest in, 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 in you know, current events and you know, news and politics and you know, all of that. But once I began to look at Bible prophecy, then I was just, and I began to pay a lot more attention to the news. I began to pay a lot more attention to what is happening, how nations and leaders are moving, and what is happening globally because there's so much in the Bible uh, that is talking about uh, what is going to happen. It just makes a lot of sense. So, uh, Hopefully today, you know, you'll be encouraged to start looking at the Bible and looking at what's happening and seeing the Bible fulfilled right in front of your eyes. Another important thing, uh, you know, I, I want to point us to is in First Chronicles 12:32. Where the Old Testament talks about a certain tribe, the sons of Issachar. It says they had understanding of the times 
to know what Israel ought to do. That means they understood the times, and therefore they knew what a nation was supposed to be doing. You know how important it is, you know, when we understand the times, it then helps us guide our own decisions, our own lives, how we should be moving as a church, as individuals, as a community, and so on. So it's important for us to understand the times. Now I want to bring your attention, I've mentioned this, you know, uh, some years back, but I want to just bring this again uh, to our attention about the amazing mathematical probability of Bible prophecy. Uh, Dr. Hugh Ross, he is an astronomer, he has a degree in physics from the University of British Columbia, and he also has a PhD in astronomy from the University of Toronto, and uh, for several years he did his uh, research, uh, he continued doing research on quasars and galaxies uh, as a postdoctoral fellow at the California Institute of Technology. Uh, in fact, in 2012, Dr. Hugh Ross and Dr. Gerald Schroeder, uh, they received a prize from the Texas A&M University uh, in recognition of their work uh, that demonstrated the connection between science and religion. And so, you know, uh, he's a very uh, a, a notable authority on this. Now, uh, a scientist who, you know, who's looking at the Bible and so on, now, he, he writes uh, that there are approximately 2,500 prophecies in the Bible, out of which 2,000 have been fulfilled. And another interesting thing that Dr. Hugh Ross has done, and I'm just mentioning the numbers that he, puts, he has put out, is that he looked at the probability of certain of these prophecies to be fulfilled. And I'm just going to mention about two or three here. You know, for instance, he mentions this. Um, he mentions about, Dan, about Daniel's prophecy. Around 500 BC, Daniel prophesied that, uh, uh, you know, from the time that the Persian king would announce uh, the return of the Jews to Israel to the time of the coming of the Messiah would be 483 years. This is in Daniel chapter 9, verses 26, 27. Uh, he said about 483 years. And then he said after that, there would come a ruler who would uh, destroy Jerusalem. So Daniel prophesied this in 500 BC. And then what did we see happen in history? Exactly when uh, 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 when the Persian king came in around 458 BC, he, during the time of Ezra, sent the Jews back. And then exactly 483 years later, Jesus shows up and Jesus is crucified in Jerusalem. And then right after that, in AD 70, Titus, the Roman uh, general, destroys Jerusalem. So the Bible prophecy is fulfilled exactly the way Daniel put it up. And the probability of a prophecy like this uh, happening by chance is one in 10 to the power of five, or one out of, you know, in, we would say in India, one lakh. You know, that's the probability. That's, that's such a slim chance, and yet it was fulfilled exactly the way Daniel said it. If you look at another a prophecy about, you know, uh, Cyrus, the king of Persia, uh, commanding the Jews, to re Israel, to uh, people to return to Israel. This was about 150 years before the king was even born. Isaiah by name mentions, this is in Isaiah 44, 28, and Isaiah 45, 1. He mentions the name Cyrus, and he says Cyrus will issue the decree for the Jews to go back to Jerusalem. Imagine he's calling a person by name 150 years before that person is actually born, and he's saying this is what he will do. And sure enough, that is exactly fulfilled, and it happens. And, you know, the probability of something like this that would be... Uh, that would have happened by chance, Dr. Huros says, is one in 10 to the power of 15. That's how slim it is that it could have happened by 
you know, chance. God really had to cause it to happen. And think about another prophecy, which, uh, you know, was spoken about 3,500 years in advance. This was spoken by Moses and then other prophets who came about the nation of Israel, that they would be dispersed, they would be scattered, and that they would be regathered into their nation uh, as a people. You know, 3,500 years before all this, Moses spoke about it, and other prophets spoke about it. And sure enough, all of that was fulfilled. And again, for the probability of something like this to happen is 1 in 10 raised to 20. And yet these prophecies were all fulfilled. And so what I want to challenge you is this. There is a book that is amazing, and that's the Bible. The prophecies in the Bible are accurate and reliable. It's, It's proven. You know, suppose you, you had a friend or you had somebody who, who knew, uh, whom you knew, and maybe he made, you know, two predictions, two predictions, and those two predictions came out correctly. Would you trust him? You would probably say, man, that guy is really great. You know, he gave me two predictions and both happened. How about if you had a friend and he gave you 20 predictions and those 20 predictions actually happened. You say, man, that guy is great. He predicted 20 things and those 20 things actually happened. How about 200? If somebody predicts 200 things, uh, wouldn't your trust in that person increase? But you know the Bible? He said 2,500 prophecies, out of which 2,000 are already fulfilled. The Bible is a book that is accurate and reliable as its prophecies are concerned, as far as its prophecies are concerned. So, you know, uh, uh, having given that little background, you know, what happened in one of our Bible college classes is uh, one of our students, and this happened just some weeks back, um, uh, one of our students said, you know, uh, Pastor, in 1918, the world has seen many pandemics, and in 1918, uh, we saw there was a big pandemic that, that happened on the world, maybe know from history. Uh, commonly known as the Spanish flu. It was huge. And this is here we are 100 years later, 2020, another pandemic. So he asked, what's the difference? I mean, 100 years have come and gone. And, uh, you know, here we are again, excited that, you know, uh, excited. I mean, we are talking about end times and all of that and saying, look, things are happening around us. But 100 years before this, there was a pandemic. So what, what, what's the difference here? What, what, what is the thing? And so then I pointed out certain things to him, which I'm going to share with you and me today, that, you know, in these hundred years, it's not just about two pandemics. In 1918, there was a Spanish flu. There were 50 million deaths worldwide. Today, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, approximately, and the numbers, of course, you know, uh, uh, keep increasing day by day. But today, as I'm speaking, uh, as we're recording this, uh, more than 15 million deaths, over 600, sorry, 15 million confirmed cases and 600 deaths. Look at the Spanish flu. The Spanish flu had 50 million deaths worldwide. So that was huge. Um, and uh, actually, uh, it did not come from Spain. It just, the, the name was given, and uh, you know, there's a history behind it. But the point is, that pandemic in 1918 had a huge toll on globally, 50 million deaths, compared to the COVID-19 here, 600,000 deaths. Uh, every life is important, but I'm just putting out the numbers for us to uh, understand the, the difference. Uh, 
Now, the Spanish flu of 1918 had more fatalities than those people who were killed in World War I, much more than that. And so, you know, the numbers are huge. Uh, what happened? What is the difference? Why, why are we, you know, talking about the coming of Christ and saying that we are drawing near? And so I want to point us to certain things from Bible prophecy and current events and help us understand where we are as far as the return of our Lord Jesus Christ is concerned. Now, I want to point us to several things. Number one, between 1980 and 2020, um, several major things have transpired. The first major thing that we should be aware of is that the formation of the nation of Israel. You see, for from the you know, God had promised Abraham that He would give He give him and his descendants the land of Israel, right from the river Euphrates down to the river Nile. That would be their land. He promised that, and He did say, you know, you will be scattered but I'm going to gather you back as a nation. For example, in Jeremiah 31 and verse 10, he says, uh, Israel, um, he who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does in his flock. So he says, look, I'm going to do that. And uh, sure enough, in 1948, many of you are aware of this, 14th May 1948, Israel declared themselves as an independent nation. So the nation of Israel was formed. And there are many other prophecies concerning the formation of the nation of Israel. Ezekiel 37, chapter 37, it's a very notable prophecy. And how God will gather his people and bring them back into the land of Israel. So this was very, very significant. And in connection to this, the second thing is that the Jewish people possessed Jerusalem. And this happened in 1967. You know, from 586 BC, when Nebuchadnezzar came and you know, got the people of uh, got the Jewish people out of the land, destroyed Jerusalem. From that time, right on till 1948, Israel were dispersed. They really didn't possess their own land. And then it wasn't until 1967, that is 2,553 years later, that they took back Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, following the negotiations, they kept part of Jerusalem, which is East uh, now the west part, west, west side of Jerusalem, East Jerusalem is still uh, is not under their control right now. But that was very significant that they could not only have their land back, but have their city, the city of Jerusalem, back. And this is very important because uh, uh, you know the fact that they they got back Jerusalem, but but today the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem is an epicenter of turmoil in the world. And God spoke about this. He foretold this. He said, this is going to happen. So, for instance, look at uh, Zechariah 12, verses 1 to 3. God says, you know, I am, I am going to, uh, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, he said, Behold, verse 2, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples, peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And he says, you know, verse 3, Jerusalem will become a heavy stone for all peoples, and all nations will gather against it. So here, the conflict there in Jerusalem is going to attract the attention of the nations of the world. And, you know, as we look at what is happening, uh, this, is, this is the direction that things are going. And, of course, we, you and I understand because of the current events that there are two main reasons. One, 
it ha has to do with, uh, you know, the, the struggle of an independent Palestinian state. Now, Israel claims ownership of the land and uh, the West Bank where there are about 3 million Palestinians and a lot of Jews uh, settled there. Uh, you know, there's a struggle for that. Uh, the Palestinians want their own independent state, uh, want to have a possession of, of the part of the city of Jerusalem. The Jewish people or Israel wants the entire city of Jerusalem in their possession. And uh, right now, you know, there, there's a lot of things happening. And over the years, you know, several decades, there's been uh, attempts by various leaders to bring peace to this, to resolve this conflict. As recent as this year, you know, President Donald Trump uh, released his peace plan. And uh, uh, of course, you know, uh, uh, there was a, a lot of reaction from the Arab nations, including Jordan, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and UAE. They said any unilateral move by Israel to annex these lands will, you know, will receive a response from the Arab nations. In fact, about 23 European Union nations also uh, voiced their concern to Israel that they do not support uh, Israel annexing any of these, uh, these territories. And another major uh, uh, point of conflict is the possession of the city of Jerusalem. Uh, the most important uh, real estate in the city of Jerusalem, uh, old Jerusalem especially, is uh, the Temple Mount, where, you know, where, as far as the Jewish people are concerned, it's a very sacred place on Mount Moriah. That's where Abraham came and offered Isaac, and that's where David offered a sacrifice, and that's where Solomon built the temple. And uh, today, right on that place, uh, stands the uh, uh, to the Muslims, it's a very, very uh, sacred place as well. There is on the Temple Mount, there is the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Dome of the Rock, which is one of the most ancient sites for the Muslims. And there is also the Al-Aqsa Mosque located right there. And so both of them want possession of it. And of course, to the Jews, the Muslims, and even to the Christians, this is a very important place. And the Bible does speak about what will happen there uh, on the Temple Mount. And, and so that's another point of conflict. Who's going to have it? And so all these things have to be resolved. Uh, but here's what I want to point out. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 32 and 30, 34, he said, when you see the fig tree put out its leaves, uh, uh, you know the summer is near. And he said, the generation that sees, sees all this will by no means pass away when all these things will take place. His disciples asked him about the end times. When will the end of the age be? This present age, when will it come to an end? He said, the generation that sees the fig tree putting out its branches. The fig tree in the Bible is figurative of the nation of Israel. And you find this in many places. You see it in Joel chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, Hosea chapter 9, verse 10, and Jeremiah 24. You find the fig tree symbolic of the nation of Israel. And he's saying the generation that sees the fig tree put out its branches, it's coming into its fullness. And that generation will not pass away when all the signs of the end times will be fulfilled. You know, you and I are that generation. We've seen before our eyes uh, the nation of Israel in existence, uh, its possession of the land, uh, part of Jerusalem, and all of these struggles happening. And Jesus said, one generation, all these signs will be fulfilled. And that's why this is so important. The third sign I want to point out from the current events that are happening uh, is the formation of the European Union. You know, and, uh, and some of us uh, are aware of this. The European Union right now has about 27 uh, EU countries that have uh, uh, come together in some sort of a 
agreement, primarily economic and having to do with trade and so on. Uh, now, back in 1958, there were six nations that came together uh, that formed the European Economic Community. And uh, later on, in 1993, uh, the EEC, the European Economic uh, community changed its name to the European Union, and you know more nations joined together. Uh, uh, but now there are 27 member uh, countries, uh, and it's really interesting to see what they've been able to achieve. That uh, among them, among these 27, uh, they uh, have a one single currency that is being used right now across 19 of those countries. About 340 million people use the euro. In those countries, uh, there is free trade. Uh, Europe, the European Union is the largest trade bloc in the world. And so they have demonstrated the benefits of a, a, a single currency and also the benefits of a single market, a single economic system. And, and you know, they're, they're doing wonderful things. Now, why is this so significant? Because of Daniel's prophecies in Daniel chapter 2, chapter 7, chapter 8. Uh, it's amazing what Daniel prophesied. And now, remember, this is about 500 BC. Uh, this is way back in time. Uh, uh, and uh, Daniel prophesied, you know, he spoke in Daniel chapter 2. Uh, he spoke about four world empires. He talked about the Babylonian Empire, uh, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and then the Babylonian Empire. So he spoke about these four empires, uh, and you can read, the, read about this in Daniel chapter 2. And then what he said is that uh, from the, the, the Roman Empire, uh, the Babylonian, the Medo-Persian, the Greek, and the, then the Romans, from the Romans, there would be a feat uh, of, mixed with iron and clay. That means there would, be, would emerge another system or a kingdom uh, that is a mix of what was formerly part of the Roman Empire as well as a mix of other peoples of the earth. And, and let's look at this in Daniel chapter 2, verses 42 to 44. He says, And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. Something that's loosely held, but it has a strength. And then it says, and as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, that is with all the other people, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And the days of these kings, that means in the days of these leaders, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. That means in the time when you see this happening, the iron mixing with clay, uh, in that time, God will set up his kingdom here on earth. Uh, it says it will break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it, that means God's kingdom, will stand forever. And then if you look at Daniel chapter 7, he explains this a little further. He, he says, he talks about the, uh, the Roman Empire. Uh, in Daniel 2, he mentioned 10 toes coming out of, uh, of this former, the revived Roman Empire. In Daniel 7, he talks about 10 horns, representing 10 leaders who will emerge out of this loosely held uh, uh, union of, uh, what, of countries that used to be part of the former, former Roman Empire and with other nations. So when you look at the European Union, and, and you look at what used to be the former uh, Roman Empire back in back in time. Uh, they, it went all the way from uh, the uh, western part of Europe and all the way across northern northern Africa uh, into parts of Turkey and Syria and so on. And uh, so. 
Today, when you look at the European Union, these nations have come together, and they also joined together with other nations that were not part of the Roman Empire. There's that mix, that word is being fulfilled. But what Daniel said is, out of these will come 10 leaders. And then he said in Daniel chapter 8, that what used to be part of the Greek Empire, that the Greek Empire we know was Alexander the Great, he was the first leader. And Daniel prophesied about Alexander the Great in uh, Daniel chapter 8. He said this leader will come, and he is, 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 his kingdom will expand very quickly, but he'll be suddenly cut off. And we know Alexander the Great died at a very early age, but he expanded his territory right from Greece all the way to the northern part of India. But he died suddenly, and Daniel said that his kingdom will be divided into four parts. And that's exactly what happened. Four of uh, Alexander's generals took over, divided the, Roman, uh, the Greek empire. And what Daniel tells us in Daniel 8 is from out of them will come this man who would be the Antichrist. So when you look at what happened to the Greek empire, it was broken down. Part of it was uh, from Greece. Another part that covered modern-day Turkey, another part that covered Syria and Iran and so on, another part that covered Egypt. So four distinct breakup of, of uh, the Greek empire. And so you know, when we look at what is happening with the European Union and with what used to be part of the uh, former Greek empire, with the nations that are belong to this. It's very interesting to see how things are coming together and how, you know, the Bible prophecy is being fulfilled right before our eyes. Now, I'm not getting into the details. I'm just highlighting these things. And the fourth thing that I want to just mention here is about the role of Russia, China, uh, and Iran, Turkey, and Egypt. You know, when the, when, when the age is going to come to the end, the battle of Armageddon, the Bible clearly tells us that there will be a, a nation from the north coming through uh, towards the land of Israel. And then there will be the kings of the east coming through uh, to the nation of Israel. And we will look at the scriptures in a little bit, but think of what is happening, you know, globally. Uh, think, of, think of the, you know, in times past, there was America, and there was Russia, two superpowers. But in recent times, we've seen China rise up in domination with several things. I mean, they've, they've, they've done so many things, but uh, you know, they have their uh, China's uh, Belt and Road Initiative, by which they are expanding into about 70 countries, uh, making uh, infrastructure development and investments. Um, they're really doing something there. And so China's becoming a, 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 a superpower. It's, it's, a, it's a nation that we have to reckon with. And, and, and unfortunately, sadly, as America pulls out of various things, pulling out of the WHO, the pulling out of the, uh, the Paris Agreement for Climate Change, pulling out of the uh, Transatlantic uh, Pacific Partnership, and America's pulling out. They're only making room for China to rise up more and more in strength and power. And other nations are just standing there as spectators, as here a nation is rising power. Now, why is all this important? What else are we saying? You know, uh, it's very interesting that both the leaders of Russia and China have consolidated their power for the long term. Uh, Pres uh, president Putin and uh, the Chinese president Xi Jinping, uh, they're there for the, for the long term. They're not going to go away very easily. And they're there to stay, essentially. And so they've consolidated their power. And we see how China and Russia are, you know, in some ways, strengthening their ties. They're, you know, 
keeping the relationship. Uh, uh, China is strengthening its ties with Iran, uh, you know, recently because of all the things that happened there. China is a nation that came to assist Iran. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're in making huge investments. Uh, they are going to, uh, uh, over the next 25 years, they're going to be investing about $400 billion uh, in Iran and in, uh, infrastructure uh, projects. Uh, billions of Chinese dollars uh, uh, being invested there. Uh, Russia is also having good relationships with Turkey. Uh, Turkey is exerting its influence in that region. Uh, President uh, Erdogan just recently uh, declared the High Sophia Museum in Istanbul, in Istanbul, which was once a cathedral, which was then declared a museum. It just announced that today it's going to be a mosque, and in the world is just standing as spectators as this president is, is, is you know, making himself, uh, uh, exerting his power. Now, why is all this important? Why are we looking at all these nations? Joel chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. What will happen? God says in Joel 3, 1 and 2, For behold those days, and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, he says, I will gather all nations. I will bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Uh, and I will do this. Why? End of verse 2. Because they have also divided up my land. So the time is coming when, you know, as people are trying to decide what to do with the Middle East. And they say, look, the only solution is we have got to divide the land. And nations are coming together to divide up the land. God is saying, that's the time. There's going to be this battle. And the Bible tells us very clearly, if you look at this in Ezekiel 38, God is mentioning various tribes. He says, uh, verse 2, he says, Gog, the land of Magog, uh, the prince of Rosh, Russia, uh, Meshach, uh, Moscow, Tubal, uh, 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 a place there in, in, in Russia, Tobolsk. And he says there, Behold, I'm against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. He says, verse 5, Persia, that is Iran, Ethiopia and Libya are with them, all of them. Uh, Gomer, which is part of eastern Germany, uh, and all its troops, the house of Togomra, that is Turkey. Uh, and from the far north, all its troops, many people are with you. And Ezekiel 38, as you read on, says all these people come against Israel. So that's the battle of Armageddon. And that's why all these nations, those names we've read here in Ezekiel 38, it's important to keep our eyes on them. Iran, Russia, Turkey, Egypt. What are these people doing? And how are they building up their relationships? Because they are going to move in against Israel is what the Bible says. And then look at this. In Revelation 12, 16, verse 12, it says, you know, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. So the Bible is saying in this final battle, kings from the east will begin to move in against Israel. When you think, when you think about kings of the east, whom can you think about? Most likely think about China. They're the biggest nation. They're going to become allies with along with um, uh, Russia and other nations that begin to move in against Israel. And kings from the east will begin to come in to attack Israel. And, and it says there in Revelation 16, verse 14, it says, For they are spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. In fact, nations are beginning to move in towards 
Israel. So I'm pointing up these things because we are in a time when all these things are beginning to come together for that battle, great final battle, the battle of Armageddon. One last sign, and then I'm going to, we're going to pray. It is about the explosion of information and travel. Daniel mentioned this in Daniel 12, verse 4. He says, you know, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So he says, in that day, in that time, knowledge will explode. You know, uh, uh, this is a study that was, uh, uh, or, or a theory, I would say, uh, that, was, uh, that social scientists uh, talk about. It's the knowledge doubling curve. And uh, this was put out by the London School of uh, Economics. And uh, this is a theory that uh, 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 until the year 1900, uh, knowledge doubled every century. Then from, human from 1950, uh, knowledge doubled every 25 years. Then from 2000, in the year 2000, knowledge doubled every year. And today they're saying knowledge doubles every day. So it's not just an exponential increase, it's much more than that. Imagine knowledge doubling every single day. And Daniel said, Daniel 12 verse 4, knowledge shall increase. That's the time in which we are living. And people are saying it's happening. It's happening. Knowledge is doubling every day. Daniel said, knowledge shall increase. And we are in those times. And when you look at the amount of data people are creating because of the internet and so on, you know, 90% of the, of the world's data uh, until uh, some time passed. It took about two years. Every two years, 90% of the world's data was created. But today, in, in 2020, in a single year, we are creating about 35 trillion gigabytes of data. In a single year, that's the amount of data being created. And it's predicted that in 2025, we will be creating 175 trillion gigabytes of new data in a single year because of all that's happening. So knowledge is increasing, information is increasing. So what did we say today? Let's wrap up. Summary. First. What, what has happened between 1940, uh, 1919 and 2020? These are the things, notable things. Number one, the nation of Israel has been formed. Number two, Jerusalem has been taken partly by Israel, and, but that has become a place of conflict. The Bible says that will happen. Number three, there is a formation of the European Union, nations coming together, and the possibility of these 10 leaders emerging. And later on, from one of the four regions of what was the former Greek empire will rise, the Antichrist. Number four, the role of Russia, China, Turkey, Egypt, and Syria. Look at them closely, how they're interacting, because these are nations that are going to move in against Israel. And number five, there is, there is the explosion of information, of knowledge and travel, and it's happening all right before our eyes. So what does all this mean to you and me? You know, I want to mention two things. First of all, as believers, we must understand that the Lord, the coming of the Lord is near. And the Bible says that Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. He's coming to catch us away or rapture us. In the Latin Bible, in the Latin Vulgate, that word rapture in 1 Thessalonians, uh, Thessalonians 4, when it says we are going to be caught up, in the Latin it's rapture. That means we're going to be taken up. So it's there in the, in the Latin Bible. And the church is going to be raptured. It's going to be taken up. And the Lord is coming back for the church. And we are getting closer and closer. And after that will be the seven years of tribulation on the earth. And all the things the book of Revelation talks about is going to be fulfilled. 
So you and I as believers must be ready. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. The point is you and I have to live in that state of readiness. No more playing with sin. No more living a life of compromise. No more one foot in the world and one foot, you know, in church. Don't play those things. Be a hundred percent committed to Jesus Christ. Be a hundred percent sold out to Jesus. Live like a believer. Don't compromise. Don't take the Bible and try to cover up, you know, your own actions and say, this is okay, that's okay. No. Live ready for the, to stand before Jesus and answer to him on what you've done with your life or not. Live in a state of readiness. You know, uh, uh, many people, like Peter wrote in Second Peter chapter 3, you know, in that passage in verses 1 to 13, he says, you know, uh, uh, there will be scoffers who come and they will say, you know, uh, where is the promise of his coming? You know, Jesus said he'll come. Where is the promise of his coming? You know, where is it going to happen? And they forget, you know, that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. In other words, for God, time doesn't matter. You know, for us, we think it's a long time. But for God, it's nothing. But I want us to understand, by looking at the signs around us, we are close to seeing the rest of the prophecies in the Bible fulfilled. And we have to be ready. You know, I'm going to close here. We are going to partake uh, of, the, of the Lord's table. But before we do that, if there's anyone who's been listening and, 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 and you've been engaged, you've been understanding what I'm talking about as far as current world events is, is, and I've only referred to a few references in Scripture, but you've been listening. And right now, the fear of God is in your heart. That means you are not sure that the way you're living would be acceptable before God. You're not sure that, you know, if you were to stand before Jesus, he would say, welcome, well done, good and faithful servant. You're not sure if you'll be taken up in the rapture to meet the Lord in the air or would you, be left be, would you be left behind? I want you, if you feel the fear of God coming upon you and saying you need to get right with God, if you feel that, you know, that's the Holy Spirit doing his work right there. You need to just, just call out to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to have my life. I give my life to you. I want to be ready. I'm going to lead in a simple prayer. And I just want you to pray that with me. And just say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I turn away from my sins. And I turn to you. Take my life. Help me to live for you the rest of my life. Help me to live always ready for your coming. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The worship team is going to help us sing a song. And right after that, we're going to come back and partake of the Lord's table together. So get your elements ready, and we're going to partake of the Lord's table together. Sing, these are the days. And these are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of his servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trial.
of famine and darkness and sword. Still we are the wars in the desert, crying, prepare ye the way. partake of the Lord's table together. You know, this is a sign of our covenants with the Lord. And Jesus said, you know, when he, when he sat down with his disciples, he says, you know, I'm not going to do this again until I, I, the next time I do it, I will do it with you in my kingdom. And the apostle Paul also said this. He says, you know, uh, as often as we eat and drink this, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. That means, you know, there is a part of the covenant that we are saying, you know, right now we're walking in it, but there's also this expectation that we are saying, the Lord is going to come back. And one day we're going to be eating this with him in heaven. And that's the expectation. And so today I want us to do it with that uh, in our hearts and minds that Lord Jesus, we know you're coming back just as you said, and we're going to partake this with you in your kingdom. All right, so take a moment to pray. As I pray, I just want you to say, Lord, I want to be ready for your coming. I know you're coming back. I know I'm going to partake with this with you in heaven, even as I do it here on earth. Maybe you're doing it alone by yourself. Maybe you're doing it with your family. But it's a Lord, together as a family, we want to do it with you in heaven. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we sanctify these simple elements of bread and grape juice, or bread and water, whatever people are using. We sanctify this to signify our covenant with you, Father, and also the expectation we have in our hearts that the Lord is coming, that one day we will partake with him in heaven. Lord God, we do it with expectation. And may we live ready for the coming of the Lord. May we live with expectation, with anticipation. May our lives be holy and pure before you. Because whoever has this hope purifies himself, even as he is pure, your word says. So Lord, as we partake of these elements, 
the power of the cross, the power of the blessing of the cross impact each and every life. Let there be healing, let there be miracles, let there be deliverance taking place because of this covenant. Let it happen. The Lord Jesus said, Take, eat, this is my body. I was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread together, please. The Lord Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant that is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake knowing what the blood of Jesus has done for us. Let's partake of the cup together. Father, I thank you that you watch over our lives, that you establish a covenant, your covenant with us. You make it good. Let there be healing, miracles, deliverances amongst your people, even now. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us in this service today. We are grateful for all that the Lord is doing in us, and we'd love to hear from you how these services are ministering to you. If you'd like to write a testimony, just send, it, send an email to testimony at apcwo.org. Tell us what, how the message or the ministry has impacted your life. It'll encourage the team here to keep serving. Also, if you'd like to, we encourage you to share this message with other people. Let them hear this. Uh, and let them also be awakened to know the signs of the times that we are there. 11.59, we're close to that midnight hour when the Lord will return. So send this message out to as many people as you can. Tell them to listen. Maybe the Lord will touch their hearts and lives and awaken them uh, to know the time of His coming. Until next week, stay strong. Remember, Jesus loves you. Jesus is your Lord. We honor Him. We glorify Him. We serve Him. We love Him. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always.